0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Season Gaming BitCast. Today, Dan, Burt, and I are bringing you episode 50. Kind of hard to believe that we've done 50 of these official BitCasts. We've done some specials along the way, but this is what we are considering, the big 5 So today, we're going to talk about a lot of the announcements that came out this week from GDC and some of the publishers, what we're currently playing, and then we're going to do something slightly different, where we're going to talk about uh, things from this generation, things we're hoping for the next and just reflect on some of the kind of hilarious things, um, terrible segments and other things we've experienced over our uh, nearly two years now of doing this podcast. So let's go ahead and get started, guys. GDC this week, and the biggest announcement, of course, is that Google is entering the gaming arena. We've been hearing about this for a while now, rumors, and we didn't know what it was gonna be. We heard from many people that they were gonna launch a console, which uh, they are apparently not. But we now have, uh, is it Stadia or Stadia? I'm not sure. But it's going to be a streaming game service. They have their own controller, and they're going to use obviously their data centers and their um, their expertise in that realm across the world to offer this to players. So, I will say this announcement, guys. There were a lot of promises made on this showcase about resolution and speed and latency and these other things. Um, they painted a hugely rosy picture, which I think needs to be qualified pretty heavily, and. Um, you know, we'll see what comes of this. But according to Google, this is launching later this year, and uh, you'll be able to play most of the big third-party games uh, through this streaming service without any issue. So, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, you know what we saw from Google, what the viability of it you think is later in twenty nineteen? Yeah, Dan, I'll, I'll go first. Sorry,
1: I should have said I was going to jump in, but my bad. Um, I was just going to say, in concept, I think it's a really cool idea um, from a technology standpoint and where the rest of the world is from a bandwidth standpoint. I don't think we're quite ready for what they're promising and the best that you can get from Google Stadia. I was seeing the 4K60 jumping up everywhere, and this is the best place to play your games and stuff like that. I was not really believing a lot of that because I know what it takes to get decent bandwidth today and just basic multiplayer and I've seen a lot of people with 20 megabits down that have issues with just downloading games so when I see that and then as Ains was mentioning when we saw details later as to what's required for it a lot of the world is not able to do that I think most people are going to be below 1080p if not 720p we do see that the majority of the world today already only plays in 1080p so seeing all those bigger things like that is is cool to see I think it's a cool concept where you can play your games anywhere you want from an app perspective kind of like a netflix or like a youtube but um i think it'll be a while before we start seeing the best place to play games and not actually owning a console and it was funny to see a lot of people were like what does the actual console look like there's not a console you just get a controller and you connect to play game streaming so very different from what i think a lot of people were expecting but cool to see it from a conceptual point of view
2: yeah, I want to see this, you know, compared to what Microsoft is going to do with the xCloud. Um, we have a general idea of what that's going to be. Um, I don't know that, you know, we have probably about as much information about that than we, than we do Stadia, Stadia. I want to see what kind of price this is going to, you know, come at us at. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, I. It, it sounds, if you can pull it off, it sounds awesome because you know it eliminates a lot of the um, as a digital guy eliminates a lot of the uh, storage necessities i guess um, if i could plug a chromecast in and get what they promise fine but realistically probably not you know but that's not you know that's not just a google problem that's you know in a, it's it, it's going to bleed over to microsoft i think too with their xcloud stuff now they may have better servers you know and a better capacity to do stuff like that but it's it's just bandwidth, you know. It's it's what we have on our side that I think is going to be the issue, like you said, Bert. And I I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, it, it's good options. Options are great. We've always said that. I know, but you know, it's I was underwhelmed to say the least.
0: Yeah. I, um. <clears throat> the first thing that came to mind, and this is kind of sad, is well, this makes for good competition, so that Microsoft makes X Cloud better because i am a console guy i am a box guy i'm a physical guy and so for me personally um I, i think the limitations around being streaming only are definitely prohibitive uh as you mentioned some of the limitations bert you know it came out afterwards that The quality they were talking about would require, you know, only work in certain areas and require specific bandwidth, and it's more likely to be 1080p or 720p, like you said. Um, And then just in general, you know, if you're playing a game like Sekiro, uh, a great recent example, it's very fast, very challenging, and it has to be ultra, ultra precise. And even just the smallest latency um, in a a bandwidth connection will ruin that experience for you. I mean, if you think about earlier this generation, we were talking about, you know, people using wired controllers still instead of wireless just because of milliseconds of latency in between what you do on your controller versus what happens on the screen. Or people look at specific TVs with game modes, um, you know, so that 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 refresh rate or whatever the connection latency is. Is minimized. So when you think about things like that, just thinking about pure streaming only for high-level games is a is a big challenge. Now, um, X Cloud, or I should say Microsoft, did come out and release a, a few more details of X Cloud this week to kind of compare to Google, and, and they're relatively similar in approach, I think. Um, but again, Microsoft has the big advantage in that one: they're a known entity. Xbox as a brand is a very big and powerful brand. But they will give people like us uh, the option of playing locally still um, and still having great hardware and playing 4K60 without any demands on bandwidth. And I think that's a huge advantage. So I don't know. I have a lot of questions around. Uh, I keep saying Stadia. I don't know which one it is. If someone's listening can tell us definitively if it's Stadia or Stadia. Um But to your guys' point, competition is good. We are likely all going to benefit from it. So even if you don't play it, it's going to make uh, the other companies work that much harder. So I'm interested to see what comes later this year.
1: Yeah, I think it's best if we just keep our expectations low from a streaming perspective in general. So cool cool concept. I think once infrastructure around cities and, and, and even countries to a certain extent get better, we're not going to be seeing anything that we can get from a box until probably 10 to 15 years from now.
0: Yeah, especially worldwide, as you said. Yep. So let's move to PlayStation for a second. So lo- we've noticed recently that with all the talk Microsoft's been doing about studios and games and xCloud and, you know, just a lot going on with the Xbox, um, we noticed that PlayStation's been very, very quiet, almost like a, a, you know, a sleeping giant sort of thing. They did come out this week and finally announced that they're going to have a showcase online event this coming Monday. So as you're listening to this, probably it's either happening or has happened. Um, But it's going to be called State of Play and it's going to be the first showcase, you know, since they announced they're not going to be at E3 uh, and to highlight some of the new PlayStation 4 and PlayStation VR content. So uh, I'm pretty excited about this. I don't know quite what we're going to get. They did mention Days Gone and a few other games, um, but I'm curious to see just how they format it. Uh, It doesn't sound like it's going to be a live show like Inside Xbox. Where they can have guests and these other things, uh, you know, live talking about development. I expect more of something like Nintendo Direct, where they take some time and just have a pre-kind of recorded and edited video highlighting what's coming from PlayStation. But I am excited to see, you know, what they're bringing.
2: Yeah, same. I, I want, I want some, you know, more news. I mean, this is just another news outlet that we can use and, you know, get our information. I mean, it's. When you see Nintendo doing it and Xbox doing it and people enjoying it, you know, I mean, it's, it makes sense to have or for Sony to, you know, jump into this arena and, you know, just keep everybody updated because, you know, you, you want to keep people excited about your product. You want to keep people excited about the future of, you know, or what you have coming out. So I'm ready for it, man. Four o'clock, might leave work early a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned work, Dan. I, I've got to travel tomorrow and I've got to be in the office uh, in somewhere else, a different location tomorrow. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, can I get out of there by 4 p.m. and get back to the hotel room so I can watch this? I don't know. I'll have to try and figure that out. <clears throat> um, yeah, the interesting thing, real quick, too, guys, is uh, you know we with GDC and Google entering and all these kind of big, very ambitious and innovative ideas with Stadia and xCloud, um, we've been wondering where PlayStation fits into this and whether PlayStation Now Uh, It's going to evolve into, you know, a a true competitor. Um, Sony, quite frankly, doesn't have the architecture. And without getting too geeky on you, you know, the Microsoft um, Azure, uh, excuse me, cloud infrastructure, server infrastructure is the biggest one in the world by far, with Amazon and Google uh, coming in as two and three. But Sony's just nowhere near a player in that realm. So I'm very curious as the next few years evolve and we see where cloud and Stadia go, to see how playstation plans to compete if they're just going to kind of dig in their heels and do what they did this gen and just focusing on local console with big exclusives or if they're going to really kind of evolve because we even see we even saw Layden um at the keynote speech last month talk about how they're going to have to evolve past the console but i just don't sony hasn't talked about that at all so i'm kind of curious you know to see if they bring up any of that in this uh demonstration tomorrow speaking about evolving uh, something we saw this week is that microsoft has spoken with nintendo and they are bringing cuphead to the switch so we heard rumors of this last month we talked about the potential for game pass and other indies like ori and cuphead going to the switch and it turns out obviously at least one of them is true in that cuphead is launching uh, next month in april and it's going to be the updated version that they're also bringing to xbox players for free npc players for free Uh, it's gonna have some new animations some new effects and some new language support Um, but very very cool to see this Uh, i'm very excited because i'm a cuphead fanatic to see more people get to experience that game especially the nintendo crowd as you know we've talked before that seems to be more up their alley Uh, a lot of jokes this week around there's going to be a whole lot of broken switches here in a few weeks so personally as someone who's hundred percented cuphead i don't know if i'm going to buy it on the switch because i just don't see any reason to to play it on that platform Um, but i am very excited for a bunch more people to play that game and for studio mdhr to uh you know realize more success and be able to put more resources into the cuphead dlc and potentially cuphead 2
1: yeah you stole the you stole my joke i was gonna say that there's i believe this is a nintendo (laughs) conspiracy to sell more switches not from a software (laughs) perspective but for broken switches perspective so the hardware perspective and man i can just see people tearing their their switch like you know trying to god dang it i I swear i hit that guy one more time he didn't kill me you know whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah good for them i think it's good for them to finally experience a great game it's just not for everybody because it's super hard
2: yeah, I mean, it's it's good to bring this kind of stuff. I, I hope I see we see more of it, you know, with Ori and, you know, other games. Uh, down the line, um, great for Nintendo fans um, and fans of Studio MD, MDHR. So, I mean, like you said, Ames. hopefully this will bring a Cuphead 2, not for Dan, but <laughs> for everybody else that can actually play it. Um, I played some of it. I suck so bad. And I enjoy non-broken controllers, so you know, not even touching this one on my Switch. <laughs> not even coming close. Uh, yeah, no better. I've
1: had friends over and they can't get past the tutorial. Literally, it's pretty pretty easy, yeah. but you know, yeah. it's it's pretty funny watching people trying to get past the jump here, dash here, shoot this guy, and they can't
0: get past the first part. Mm. You guys are physically hurting me right now. So <laughs> yep, we're <laughs> I'm trying. yeah no it's uh i think it's a good thing though and it's going to be interesting to just see how this relationship evolves uh you know we we heard that um heard rumors around studio mdhr and you know not being with microsoft and apparently we heard that microsoft asked uh studio mdhr and nintendo to bring it over there so microsoft is definitely playing a longer game here in some vein so Alright, another thing launching tomorrow, or as you're listening to this, is Firestorm for Battlefield 5. We've been talking about this one for a while. It's the ba- uh, Battle Royale mode in, in Battlefield 5, excuse me, uh, built by Criterion, not DICE. Um, but it looks very interesting and looks to bring exactly what we hoped it would bring, which is some unique dynamics to the Battle Royale genre. So you get that destruction that Battlefield's known for, there's a whole bunch of vehicles that you can drive, including tanks. Um, There's uh, different weaponry you can find around the map and squad play, and um, it looks actually very, very good. We got the gameplay video this week, and I was really excited about it, so uh, I'm kind of annoyed that I'm traveling, but I hope to play this with you guys soon and uh, see what it's all about.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely down for this. You know, this, this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that this is one of those instances where pushing the game back actually, or at least as part of it, you know, has its benefits. So it's releasing in a really kind of touchy area, you know, time with Apex and you know everything else that's out, um, division. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. and I hate battle royale. You guys know me. I will definitely play this in squads only, and <laughs> there will be no soloing for me. Um, but it looks awesome. I'm ready to play it.
1: Yeah, it, it's uh, funny enough, we were, me and my buddy were playing PUBG last night, and um, with Apex that's come out, with Blackout that's come out, it's really hard to go back to PUBG because it's so dated and the gunplay's so clunky. I'm hoping that this is uh, something that meets in the middle from a real, realistic standpoint, but also from just a graphical standpoint. Apex has got that cartoony uh, standpoint we all know about Fortnite and the other stuff that we're currently running in backseat, but I'm hoping for something that has a realistic feel to it and look, um, and this looks amazing from the gameplay trailer, if you're watching the video you're probably seeing it now. It looks really really cool so i hope that they uh did succeed in what we're looking for from a new battle royale feel and stuff but i'm, I'm super excited for this because this is what's pretty pretty much gonna make me keep playing battlefield everything else has got me yawning pretty hard at the moment
0: yeah you kind of nailed it in that uh it'll be nice to have a uh, realistic hopefully more realistic uh game in the battle god i can't speak battle royale genre to uh kind of complement apex because apex is that fast paced more uh overwatchy kind of feel so uh and to your point pubg even with all the updates while we love it to death and we've played a ton of it it it's still kind of janky around the edges so yeah all right speaking of battle royale apex legends we just touched on it the battle pass is finally here octane is here turns out the leak was true of course um, pretty good deal on the battle pass, to be honest, guys. It's uh it's less than ten dollars. I think it's like nine or nine fifty or something to buy the battle pass. And if you play a hell of a lot of Apex Legends, uh, you can actually earn that money back because you, it's like nine hundred and fifty coins to buy it, but you can earn a thousand coins if you do all the the challenges and get enough XP. Um, plus a whole bunch of unique skins and everything you you expect from the battle pass. On top of that, we learned from Super Data just yesterday, actually that apex legends made 92 million dollars in revenue in its first month making it one of the most successful free-to-play launches ever and all they said was that the majority of the revenue came from console players so as big as uh as big as apex has been on the pc front and streaming front it seems that it's the console players who tend to spend more money on it now they just said majority so i don't know if that's 52 percent or 80 percent. i don't really know i tried to look it up actually but i couldn't find the specific data on that Regardless, um, it's making a lot of money, it's continuing to be hugely popular, it's obviously going to make more money with the Battle Pass now, and so, um, you know, just again, really good to see for Respawn here.
1: Yeah, if you don't care about the skins and all that stuff, or the Battle Pass, you can still earn the new character Octane just by playing a ton, so that's one of the things I like a lot about these free-to-play games, that you don't have to spend that money for it, but it is good to support the game. If you want, and it's only um, it's only $10, as you said, and it's cheaper if you have EA Access, you get a discount on top of that. So I did play a little bit last night. One of our friends, or um, I should say, I played with my friend, but the guy that we played with as a third did use Octane. He's pretty cool. He's super fast when he runs around. So um, kind of an interesting character, in my opinion.
0: You know, I didn't have it listed here, guys, but I just uh, remembered as well that Respawn, uh, they confirmed that uh, Star Wars is being shown uh, at a specific date and time. If one of you could look that up real quick, the uh, Jedi Fallen Order. I believe it's the middle of April, but they they did announce just the other day what date and time that is going to be shown, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'll move on. But if one of you could look that up real quick, I'd appreciate it. Let's talk about Konami real quick. Uh, Konami has fallen out of favor heavily with gaming fans over the past several years with their handling of uh, our favorite buddy Kojima, the Metal Gear franchise, and just you know really kind of moving away from gaming in general. But we did get some good news this week in that they're gonna release some anniversary collections uh, for their 50th anniversary, and they're getting back to some of their old core games. There's gonna be three collections. The first is like an, uh, eight games out of an arcade collection, and then they're going to have separate collections for Castlevania and Contra. And the really neat thing here, uh, for me anyway, and Castlevania fans, is there's certain games here from the NES, SNES era, etc., um, that are really kind of hard to play today. Uh, in particular, a game like Castlevania 4 on the Super Nintendo. I think we actually talked about that a few weeks on the Big Cast, but that's a very expensive game to hunt down and find for the super nintendo now and uh being able to play that on your xbox pc switch or ps4 is uh going to be very very cool to go back to especially if they include like achievement support and things of that nature so uh pretty interested in these uh they said that they're coming in early summer so i would you know i would expect may june time frame for these
2: yeah i love contra man so you love
0: contra Con- some of the contra yeah. games are hard oh yeah
2: yeah but that was i was also you know twelve <laughs> So yeah, this is this is an age thing less than something else yeah, it's, it, but this is cool I mean the, they did a Sega Genesis one right like <clears throat> a year ago or whatever it was that was cool um,
0: Bloodlines I think
2: was it I, I, no oh, I was contrary just, sorry
0: I'm thinking of Castlevania sorry
2: I was just thinking the collection didn't they do like a collection with a bunch of Sega games um, Don't I, I love the collections is what I'm getting at I love those games where you can you know um where you get a lot of them for you know a low price usually they're only like forty bucks too and you get a ton of games so I don't know I never actually saw this so this is cool I love Castlevania I love Contra I love Konami games so awesome
1: uh do you know if Symphony of the night is part of this collection
0: mm, it's no not idea. listed yet I did look uh so it shows I think eight castlevania games in the collection but they're only showing four so yeah. far which are the NES ones castlevania four and and one other one I forget, I think it's but, the Game Boy one yeah, we'll if I see. remember.
1: But um now nah, so Symphony of the Nights one yes. of my favorite games of that generation and if that's included you got me for the Castlevania collection. Uh Contra was the literally I broke a Nintendo controller on my brother's head playing that um because <laughs> we were playing two player and he kept killing us over and over and I threw a controller at him and then the, the right button broke. So <laughs> I don't think if I, if I was to bring that out with my brother, just for the fun of it, he would probably have PTSD going on with it. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think that's cool. Uh, to everybody's point, Konami is just kind of fallen way down, um, this generation and even the previous generation to an extent.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been years. Um, so kind of, it's going to be interesting, right? It'd be kind of hilarious if these things sell so well, they make a lot of money from them and be interesting to see if they start reevaluating, um, you know, their approach to gaming. <clears throat> one uh rumor that we did get confirmed this week is that borderlands game of the year edition is coming it's been rated officially for pc xbox ps4 um i suppose that we'll learn more about it this week if you remember march 28th is the date uh that they've been teasing for some borderlands information obviously you know borderlands remaster if it's done properly and updated in 60 frames per second and all that is going to be welcomed by fans like me and others i'm sure But it goes without saying that really what we want to see is Borderlands 3. So they better still be bringing Borderlands 3. Otherwise, uh, they may as well cancel the presentation because I think people are going to riot at this point.
1: Yeah, don't pull a Diablo situation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I only want to see uh, Borderlands 3. I don't care about the remaster at all or the game of the year confirmed. I've played the hell out of that one. I've played the hell out of 2. Um, the one that I haven't played is the, the prequel But I didn't have too much of a uh, drive to do I might go back and do that Just getting the handsome collection and playing that But only Show Me 3, I don't care about Game of the Year anymore
2: Yeah, same, I mean Hopefully it comes with 3 when they releases, Kind of like an Assassin's Creed kind of thing They might as well just bundle them together um, Then I might go back and play it But it's it's pretty dated um, But I've played them all, love them all love me some Borderlands, so hopefully it'll be revealed on the 28th. We will see. When the hell is that? Thursday?
0: Yep, Thursday. Yep.
2: Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, it says Thursday right there. Yeah. Yep, look at me. Big dumb-dumb baby over here. (laughs) Dumb-dumb baby. Jeez.
0: All right. Um. Nintendo. We haven't touched on them yet today, so they, in all... Sorry, (laughs) guys. I was just just thinking about how big all of these announcements were for games and, you know, Stadia and xCloud and PlayStation Showcase. Nintendo has given us uh, a new Lobo kit, which is a (laughs) VR approach. Um, It looks interesting. It's a VR Lobo kit. It's $40 for kind of the goggles and the cardboard to go on your eyes. It's $80 if you want the accessories to go with it uh, to play the little mini games. Um the first thought here guys is you know this is cool I think it's very neat especially for kids but that I think that's about where it ends I, I don't see you know guys like us or guys uh, adults really picking this up it's just the experience looks to be really really aimed at younger people
2: I mean Nintendo has got some cojones you know I mean if you can sit there and say here's 40 you you're paying me 40 bucks I'm gonna give you some cardboard you can fold around your switch I, this is I've never understood Labo. I understand it's for the kids. That's fine. but I mean, even as a parent, you have to go and go, "Hey, Dad, I want the labo. you want me to pay forty dollars for cardboard? No, I'll go buy you a PSVR and spend a little bit extra money. You know what I mean it's 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 crazy to me. I mean just the audacity Nintendo. my God, I know you you you, you just do what you want. And you're extremely successful at it, but come on, man, come on, Bowser. I'm talking to you, dude. When you watch this show,
0: Bowser, <laughs> this was Bowser <laughs> doing, wasn't let's it? Go, let's go, yeah, let's go, to a,
2: let's go to a different. Let's go to a. Let's, let's try something else. Come on, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: I can't even get over this right now. <laughs> to, to me to me, the thing that is really funny is the fact that you have to put the console on your face and walk around with the Nintendo switch about five inches or not even that four inches from your face and then like do that. Um, it's just kind of a weird thing. I So I have a friend who was like uh, has two kids. one of them is like I think 10 and the other one's like seven. And when the first Labo kit came out, they were like, should I get this? Should I not? And I was like, you know, it's something cool for kids. I don't know that it's going to last, though. And so they built that big mech suit that you could buy and everything. And they had a great time with it for the first weekend, a little bit the second weekend. And they haven't messed with it since. So it kind of lets you... Kind of picture. You know, how long are kids going to play with this? Are they going to decorate their cardboard? Are they going to, you know, marker it up, crayon it up, or whatever? But even after that, these games that they come with are all mini games. They're not like a full length game that you can play or something. And um, they're only going to be able to do that same mission or two, three, four, five missions over and over a certain amount of times. And that's really it. After that, they go and do other things. So, Um, I think it's cool. I think it's a cool accessory for kids. Um, I think it's really weird for adults to be walking around with the Nintendo Switch attached to their head for long periods of time. Um, But if it sells, it sells. Good for them. I'm more excited for Yoshi that's coming out on the 29th, and that's about it. I'm not even picturing myself picking one of these up.
0: (laughs) Alright, so so I don't think you can expect a review from Season Gaming on this anytime soon but um you know we will be talking to people across the industry people with younger kids who enjoy this sort of thing and see what they think of it so we'll see i mean i i think the more curious thing for me is it's going to launch with these mini games we saw in their little presentation um what are they going to do within the future is this a one-off kit or are they going to continue to release extra kind of vr mini games for it I, I don't know are they going to add vr um you know additions to other bigger games Um, I don't know. I don't know what they're playing. uh, Or even if they have one. So
1: something I thought was really kind of funny, I wanted to add really quick, Ains, is um, at the end of every generation, if you think about Nintendo dating back to the Wii, if you buy a Wii, there is about 50,000 damn peripherals you have to buy in order to play all their games. You have the Wii Fit board, you have the Mm -hmm. gun, you have the extra attachments that you put onto your Wii controller. The same thing happened with the Wii U. Now we're seeing it with the Switch. And the funniest thing to me is we're going to have a ton of cardboard laying around. It's like, it's like you go to someone's garage that just moved and they've got like boxes everywhere. We're going to see that with this generation, where you have people that have six different kits of the Labo kit that is just kind of taken apart and with the little stack, it's just kind of a strange thing. But it works, so let's move on.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny you mention that because when we look, you know, as collectors of older stuff, especially um, when you look back now and you go on eBay or Craig, wherever you get your kind of retro stuff from, you know, finding things in good condition. Uh, with the boxes is the toughest thing finding super nintendo games you know that are in the box and not damaged up um it's gonna be interesting 20 years from now if people are trying to hunt down labo kits that are actually still (laughs) not damaged and still can be created and put together not not because it's all cardboard yeah yeah exactly um they are the box (laughs) right yes exactly so i'm gonna put those boxes in a box so they don't get damaged Hmm. Yeah, Um, Yeah, this is...
2: Listen, listen. I bought my kids, 12 years old, PSVR for Christmas. All right? They don't even play it anymore. All right? The PSVR. The much, much better version, I'm sure, of VR. With 20, 30, 40 games. And you're going to tell me that somebody's going to pay $40 for cardboard? And it's going to last... Intec- Get the hell out of Meanwhile, here, Nintendo looks Got at you here, stra- Nintendo.
1: Nintendo looks at you straight in the face and goes, "Yes." Yep. <laughs> yes,
0: yep. they will. Yes, they do. Have you seen have you seen that our logo is on? <laughs> yep. Um, yep. <laughs> Hey, real quick, guys, circling back to the uh, Star Wars thing. So that's going to happen on Saturday, April 13th at 1.30 p.m. Central. So if you're really excited about seeing what Respawn's done with Star Wars, really excited for this Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, April 13th, 1.30 p.m. Central. Just check out EA Star Wars on Twitter. Um, they've been keeping it kind of updated and giving you all the news. So Keeping it real.
1: Keeping it real. <laughs>
0: And then one more last thing, guys. Uh, this one is more for the fans. So we have talked before but with Mortal Kombat 11 and Ed Boon and NetherRealm how they do a lot of things for their fans, and they're just really good about um, you know, kind of playing to the Mortal Kombat community and being part of that. And one of the cool things they're doing with Mortal Kombat Eleven they announced yesterday is that Shang Tsung, obviously one of the, you know, the critical characters in the series, is not going to be playable in Mortal Kombat Eleven, but he is going to be in it as kind of an assistant character in some of the menus and some of the modes. Um, and he is going to be played in motion capped by Kerry Hirayuki Tagawa. Uh, I think I pronounced that right I hope Um, he is if you weren't aware he played Shang Tsung in the Mortal Kombat movie originally and he's been in a ton of other films Um, but he's a very famous actor and it's just fantastic to see him being kind of digitized for the game uh, you know for Mortal Kombat fans so this uh, this is really really neat so bravo to Ed Boon and NetherRealm as always.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited about this. I did enjoy the first Mortal Kombat movie. The other ones were kind of crap. <laughs> It'd be cool to see like a mature Mortal Kombat movie come out. But I thought he was a perfect cast for Shang Tsung, and it's cool to see him kind of pay some tribute to the actor.
0: So very cool. All right, guys. Before we do uh, some of our kind of special segments that we're going to do for the Big Five O here, let's just quickly talk about what we're playing. Um, I know for Dan and I, that's pretty much one game um bert why don't you kick us off with what you've been playing over the past uh, week or so yeah
1: so i I've, I've gone back into the backlog in this quiet period of gaming for me at the current time as you guys know arpgs aren't my favorite thing they're fun from a social aspect but that's about it so when you guys are not on i'm playing my single player stuff and i've gone back to play persona 5 i'm about at the 25 hour mark with it now and it is fantastic Um, If you have not played Persona 5 and maybe this is your type of game that you would enjoy, I definitely recommend playing it. It is so awesome. The art style, the the characters, everything about it is great. I mentioned it on our last Bitcast special that I've gone back to and it's really fun. I've been playing F1 2018 again with the start of the F1 season. I'm playing just multiplayer now. It's interesting to see the rooms that the, the game creates and sometimes you have these amazing races and other times you have someone that wrecks you in the first corner, which is somewhat close to real life, but it's been a blast to kind of go back to it and division two when when i'm playing it socially that's what i've been playing and funny enough taking that break from apex was pretty good because going back to it feels good too i have been playing a little bit
2: of that too yep division nice. two pretty much that's it <laughs> <laughs> i
0: think dan and it's... i both uh well i was on vacation when it launched so i got back a little late yeah um i have done nothing i've been up late and i mean like late late every single night this week playing division two it's one of the most addictive games i've played in a long time uh damn i dan Dan, i think you are in the same boat
2: yeah for sure i mean it's crazy i went back and played one match of anthem and then immediately came back to play division two that was my gaming week
0: I haven't seen since Division Two launched. I don't think I've seen maybe a handful of posts about Anthem since on my social media feed. I mean, everything has been Division Two, um, yeah. and as you know, you know a bunch of the guys we play with our clan. It's just everyone's addicted to it. It's it's very interesting. Um, I will say just to add a little a little uh, variety to our conversation here. I did get Sekiro. Um, I started playing that uh, on Friday, and I've only put. Maybe an hour and a half, two hours into it. I'm still very early. Uh, It is exactly what you expect. It feels and looks like a From game. The menuing, uh, the structure is all very, very similar and familiar. You will instantly get that feeling. Of course, the one difference here being that the combat and the speed of the character is very, very different. You can run very quickly. Um, Launching up onto buildings and stuff once you get your grappling hook is very neat. And uh, some of the combat is uh, very, very kind of visceral and bloody as you would expect. But the the whole uh, kind of stance and combat thing is very challenging. And as usual with From, they don't give you a lot of explanation on how it works. You kind of have to figure it out. And so uh, I have seen a lot of posts of people playing it and loving it, but also the old uh, controller breaking posts and frustrating and quitting and rage quitting. So um, looks like From uh, has done it again.
1: Yeah, I wanted to play this weekend, but my copy doesn't get here until tomorrow, so hopefully I'll check it out. Can't
0: wait. Damn it, damn it GameStop. Yep. <clears throat> the, the, the really dumb thing is I, I was away, so I ordered and had it shipped, and that arrived the day it launched, which was surprising, and then you get that little pre-order bonus, and that arrives a week from now. So I have no idea what they were doing in the shipping department, but kind of interesting. Anyway, uh, we'll talk more about those. Uh, I am going to be reviewing the Division 2 and Sekiro, funny enough. um, So I'm putting as much time as I can into both. As you know here, we don't review games until we're completely through them. So those will be coming in the near future. Division 2 will be the first one. But, uh, you know, like I said, I already got over 40 hours in Division 2, and that's not going to slow down anytime soon. So we'll give you a full-on, yeah, in one week. So we'll give you a full-on perspective of that game uh, in the near future. For now, let's jump over to uh, our special segments that we're going to do here for to celebrate our 50th uh, episode, official episode. So you know, looking back and uh, you know, Dan, you weren't with us when we launched, you actually came on, you know, I should have looked up when you did your first episode with us as a guest, but um, I know it was uh, over a year ago now, I think. Whereas we launched this in May originally of May of 2017, so we're coming up on our two-year anniversary as well. And Bird, I was looking back at some of the uh, original episodes, including the one we never published. We have an episode zero out there that has never been published. I think one day, one day, one day, maybe we should just put that out there public and leave it as is, just as a comedy thing. Um, but you know, when we first started doing this, just kind of reflecting on it. We, we wanted to do it. We knew we were knowledgeable about the industry and games and companies. We played everything. Um, and so we wanted to kind of bring something unique to it, um, to the conversation. Because there's, quite frankly, there's a million podcasts out there about gaming. And there's some very, very good ones. Don't let me say otherwise. And I'm not saying we're better than everyone. Um, but there are a lot of popular ones that really just kind of stay surface level. They don't have a good feeling for the industry or business Or anything that really goes on uh, behind the scenes. So uh, I thought we could kind of bring some of that. But when we first started doing this, um, I don't know if that came across well or not. We were kind of a mess with uh, cameras and lighting and just format and trying to speak in front of a camera. If you've never done this before, you know, maybe you're a natural, but most people kind of struggle at first. They bumble over words and Mix things up, and man, some of those first few times we tried this, bird were almost like comedy sessions more than anything else. Yeah,
1: we, we have that blooper reel out there, which is kind of funny. I think that was our first maybe year or so that we were doing it. Um, we did it at our year mark, so if you ever, I might even link that at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the video it would be really funny to have. But uh, yeah, finding that winning formula for what works for you and me, more comfortable in front of the camera, is always an interesting take um i'm still not 100 i'm definitely not the best but you know it's it's fun to talk about the industry as dan always says this is just fun so um it's it's been a it's been a blast it's uh always fun to do it with you guys once a week we get to chat so fun fun stuff
0: i was uh thinking back to you know the, the biggest issue we used to have is the intro it's just starting the episode <laughs> yeah um and one of the i think it always jumps out to me one of the things that made me always would make me laugh is making you laugh when you were hosting because once you laughed once you were pretty much done over um there there were a few episodes where no no joke it probably took six or eight tries to even get past the intro yeah um but i was laughing or screwing up just just freaking comical
1: i can't wait
2: to hear dan do an intro
0: (laughs) coming soon
2: Coming sometime. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: Dan, we uh, you know, I was also reflecting on when you joined and you know thinking about, it's kind of comical. I don't know if people listening, um, as we've kind of grown the audience, especially on the listener count, um, they probably don't realize that we met via Twitter uh, just talking about gaming and I think kind of found ourselves in the same circle of people talking about gaming and then shortly realized thereafter that uh we actually lived about 15 minutes apart um which (laughs) i don't know how often that happens to people but we live outside of kansas city and uh sure enough uh found that out and uh dan and i just started talking more and uh, kind of became friends and that's how this whole thing came about we asked you to guest one episode and we thought it went well and so we brought you on um I know, Dan, when you first started, that was about the time, r- remind me, but that was about the time that you first started doing podcasts at all, right?
2: Yeah, that's when I was on uh, Digital Hoarders. I started that. <clears throat> um, and, I mean, it was almost like maybe a month. I think it was, I'm just trying to look back real quick. I think it's episode, like, 24, so it was kind of right in the middle there. Uh, it was the first time I was on, I, if it was on uh, as, a, as a guest. And then... <clears throat> I'm, I'm not sure when, maybe it was before that too, no clue, but um, it's been awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where I'm going to keep doing it until I just don't enjoy it anymore, you know, um, that's always been my motto. Uh, if it ever becomes, you know, a, like a a job, then, then you always have a problem, but I've never ever even come close to feeling that way. It's always fun to talk with you guys, I'm really, ex- you know, was really excited about being able to get on here with you guys and talk about video games um because it kind of gives you that outlet you know it's it's almost like you're you know i know it's just the three of us but you know that's pretty much enough for me as far as you know and then we put it out there for other people to enjoy and it seems like people like it so that's you know that's important you know i love i love doing this love it i still stumble over my stupid words so
0: (laughs) I think we all do. I've done that a few times this episode. But, yeah, so, I mean, for people, I know we have a few fans out there um, that I've made kind of made friends with and talked to frequently, and they give us good feedback. And uh, they've really, there's, uh, you know, a few of them who have really been listening since the very beginning. So for those of you that are still listening and have been here since the beginning, um, thank you very much because I would hope that you've noticed we've gotten a little bit better at this uh especially compared to those early episodes just uh, just Um, a little bit and we have seen uh, just a little bit and we have seen our listener count um as i think i've mentioned over the past maybe few months i would say maybe end of 2018 really started to increase um And so hopefully that means we're doing something right. And, uh, you know, uh, just really hope you appreciate it and and enjoy it. If, of course, there's things uh, you'd like to see us do or think we could do better or have suggestions, we're always open to that as well. So um, I think, guys, we we should talk a little bit, um, you know, just about this generation. Now, we were talking about what's coming and you know the innovation around xcloud and Stadia, and what next generation means and what that means of course you know looking back is we're on our sixth year now of this generation um and xbox one the launch xbox one launch ps4 they're pretty damn dated nowadays And so we're coming up to uh, E3 here in, God, less than three months, where we're going to start to see and hear about what's really coming in the future. So, just looking back briefly, I know I posed a couple of these questions to you guys. But, you know, thinking about this generation and thinking about the games, as it's always about the games first and foremost, what game or games this generation stand out to you as definitive? You know, they define the generation and meant something this generation that couldn't be done, maybe. Uh, in last generation or before?
1: Why don't you go first, Dan? I mean, I I know mine are, but see what you think.
2: Okay, yeah. Um. So you're talking Xbox One, PlayStation Four. That that's yeah. this. Yeah. Generation. I would say yeah, for me, any it's the game Witcher. really
0: since 2013, since these consoles launched, that you know, just yeah. you think have defined it or been um, been the I ones that really good. set a new bar.
2: Um, I mean, just recently, Red Dead Two, obviously. Um, out of War, these are more recent obviously but that's that's good, I mean going back to say like The Witcher 3, I was not a huge fan of 2 when I played it the first time back on the 360 in fact I got to the tutorial and I said this is the dumbest combat I've ever seen in my life and then I played The Witcher 3 and it this is in protest actually, it's funny because it became one of my all time favorite games, my friend kept telling me hey, you have to try out The Witcher 3 it's nothing like 2, it's much much better I was like, I don't buy it these people are completely deluded. Um, it may have a good story, I'm not taking that away, but the combat it was trash and two and I couldn't do anything, so it pissed me off. <laughs> but that was about the time where my gaming skills started to wane, I think. Right around Witcher Two time. So when three came out, I was you know, it took me a few months and I finally played it and that game, I mean I don't even three hundred hours maybe, I don't know what I played into it. A ton. I played through it twice uh played through the dlc twice i think um but it keeps getting better as we go on and there's always you know every year there's another game that kind of changes things up this year there were several you know there was you know god of war like i said and and spider-man to a certain extent for me um red dead 2 obviously just in the amount of stuff you know and in different genres and even right now with the Division 2, you know, showing what an ARPG can really be like, you know, with enough work and, you know, commitment to it. So there's several, but I would say probably, you know, that Witcher 3 really hit me pretty good because I wasn't expecting it at all.
0: Burr, what do you think? Yeah, so I've, I've got
1: three main ones uh, for me this generation. It's Witcher 3 for sure. Um, it's probably my top game ever if I've ever played just because I liked every aspect of it. Um, Witcher 2 was not really designed for consoles. It was more of a PC game, and when it finally came to console, it just wasn't the same. So I I tried the same thing Dan mentioned. I just couldn't get into it. I ended up just reading about the story just so I could get the the lore from the game instead of actually... Uh, playing the game. So the other one for me, and I know you guys disagree, is Breath of the Wild. Um, it, it was probably one of my favorite experiences because I was able to take it on the go. I took it on a couple trips and it really made my trip a little bit better for the boring times I was on those trips. So uh, that was another thing. And then the last one is God of War. I'm a big God of War fan. It was before the, the this reboot came around. And uh, for me, that's been my favorite game the last
0: couple years, actually. So that's where I stand with my top three. Yeah, it's funny because I think, you know, we have talked about these games previously, and when you look back at the generation, I don't know if there's games that have really topped them. The one thing that jumped out to me, well, first I'll say, and I've talked about it extensively, so I won't go on, but Witcher 3 for sure, Um, I think it's probably the greatest game of all time. Um, For a number of reasons we've talked about, uh, and I agree, Dan, Red Dead Redemption 2 is right up there for me as well. I think those two games, I think, are the best games of the generation by a long shot. I don't think anything else is even close, um, personally. But the one thing that jumped out to me is, um, you know, when I was thinking about narrative, we saw a lot of um, games, especially on the Sony front, they've really gone to that third-person narrative adventure um <clears throat> and god of war probably being the best example of that but i will say on a narrative front i don't i don't think any game has hit me this generation like bioshock and last of us did last generation um not even god of war while god of war was absolutely incredible from a narrative standpoint it just didn't have that same impact on me that uh last of us and bioshock did so I don't know what your guys' thoughts are there. Is there a game I'm forgetting, you know, from a narrative perspective this generation that really had that same level of impact? Because I know you can play Last of Us and Bioshock now, but they both came out last generation, and they are still heavily referenced today as being kind of some of the leaders in the narrative front. And I, I couldn't think of anything that had come out in this generation that was to that level. Not to
1: that scale, I don't I think. Mean, yeah.
2: yeah. No. yeah so I, I would agree true. with you. I mean, Bioshock is just... Up there for me. I mean, it's it's my game of all time. So I mean, if there was such a thing. So yeah. Um. As far as narrative go, I mean, maybe a little bit with God of War, you know, and but that's yeah, nothing's really touched it since then. And I think Witcher Three was just so expansive, and there was so much to it that it, you know, I mean, Red Dead would maybe maybe two. They they might be close. I mean, it, but uh, you know, yeah, it, it, it's cool to see that, though.
1: Horizon Zero Dawn had a pretty good story. Um, I was really invested in Aloy and what her, her path was and everything at the beginning and then through, but uh, to y'all's point, I mean, it's not as narrative-driven, uh, that's not what drives the game, I should say. I mean, the combat and, and the characters drive that game more than the actual narrative. I would also argue that some of the Telltale games had great stories. Um, I really enjoyed um, The Wolf Among Us story, I really enjoyed um, clementine story but you know it doesn't really have the gameplay and the engine to back up where you know bioshock and last of us were but the narrative was good so that's kind of an interesting question you asked for sure
0: yeah it actually popped to mind i didn't even have it on our list of things to talk about it's funny you mentioned horizon zero dawn though as i i would think that would be up there on my list of best new ips um love that world really excited to see what they do with part two there Um, and then, yeah, narrative, Dan, you mentioned, of all people, I don't know why I forgot, um, Red Dead Redemption 2 from a narrative standpoint was one of my favorites as well, but, um, so, you know, and I know, Bert, you were gonna ask this of us, but biggest letdown, so we've had six, you know, nearly six years now, and there's been a ton of hype about a ton of games, um, There's been some pretty major letdowns. What have those been for you guys? You know, like what what games really were you overly excited for, and really it just didn't come through at all?
2: I'll go. I mean, Anthem most recently. (laughs) Anthem. (laughs) Yeah, I figured you were gonna say
0: Anthem, Dan. I knew that was a big one. I mean, it is.
2: It's so. You know, I don't know if there's been another game ever that I've was so excited about, and you know, from a publisher or from a developer that. I loved, and you know, all their previous IPs, even, even Andromeda, sorry, that's yeah. you know, I I just, (laughs) it's just, I loved what they did with the stories, I love what they did with, you know, and I don't know, man, I just, it's it's a bummer, it's a really, it's like, it like hits you deep down, it's like right in your gut, it just kind of punches you down, and I've (laughs) never felt that way with a game, (laughs) where it's like, man, I really want, I did have fun with it, I did, you know, I just don't see myself going back to it anytime soon, so you know, or maybe ever, I mean, that's the problem, you know, because there's so much stuff coming out, and just to keep up with these things, you know, you kind of have to hit it, you know, that first time out, you know, I mean I, you know, probably numbers are probably say otherwise, you know, with stuff like Destiny and, you know eventually, you know, or Diablo 3 and stuff, but for me it's, you know, you gotta come out of, you know, swinging and you gotta hit me right in the gut feels and Anthem just did not. So, to be kind.
1: Yeah, for, for me, it's exactly what the statement you just said, Dan, and you're going to crack up. But, you know, I, I don't know of any other publisher or developer that could be just as bad as Anthem, and that's Andromeda, because it's the same one. <laughs> it's the same developer, the same everything. And uh, I, I was so excited for Andromeda. I, I probably have. Hundreds and hundreds of hours for the previous Mass Effects, and I was really excited to finally play in this generation, and um, I played it, and uh, man, talk about a gut punch. Talk about being super upset with the ending and everything, and I waited a little bit. Um, I bought the game at launch, and I waited for the bugs to get out because I heard how bad they were, and um, I still had a few bugs, but it was still playable, and it's been the biggest letdown, and Anthem is up there for me too. I was excited to see what Bioware was going to do, but when I saw what was being played and everything, I backed up extremely hard from anthem to the point that i didn't even play it outside of potentially playing with you guys and so i it's to see bioware fall this hard it's heartbreaking for me because they were my favorite dev
0: of last generation probably for sure yeah sadly i don't have too much to add here i would say i was gonna say andromeda Um, I remember getting early access to that game Mm -hmm. and playing it, and I wrote an article saying I'm really worried about Mass Effect Andromeda because, you know, the expectations for that game were massive, uh, rightfully so, given the original trilogy. Uh see what you did
1: there. Uh
0: Sorry. No, never mind. (laughs) What? (laughs) I don't even know what I did. If I did something, it was unintentional. Only Bert
1: saw that. (laughs) Expectations were massive for (laughs) Mass Effect
0: oh nice oh you know my mind went to massive entertainment making Division Mm 2 which is the only thing apparently on my mind Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but yeah it just you know right away you play the first couple hours and I'm like man something's off about this game it just doesn't feel and look right and uh sure enough it launched a few weeks later and all hell broke loose as we know um Anthem's up there for sure. Uh, You already touched on it, Dan. I've touched on it before. I won't say it again. The one thing that you guys didn't mention, which I think I'll speak for um, one of the communities I love the most, it's the Halo community, is Halo 5. So Hmm. Halo 5 is a very unique beast in that it's still that old type of game that has a very narrative-driven campaign with a ton of history, right? Um, But then it's got a completely separate, ultra-competitive, pro-player, multiplayer component. And it's the weirdest dichotomy of a game because the multiplayer component in Halo Five is absolutely incredible. It's probably the best Halo's ever been. Halo Three guys do not comment. Um, <clears throat> it is just amazing, and it has been amazing for years now. Came out, gosh, three and a half years ago, and it's still incredible to play today. But the campaign, um, and I speak for most of the Halo community, is or was a letdown. Um, they really kind of screwed up the story. They messed up the marketing um they didn't do chief a whole lot of justice we barely got the play as him nobody really cares for Locke, um and it's just uh you know it, it was kind of a mess and so i think that's why they're really kind of t- taking a step back taking many years and uh you know making sure they do infinite right it's supposed to be kind of a relaunch of halo so well to, for that ha-
1: to that point sorry. to that point i mean would you say master chief collection was a letdown at launch
0: Oh, shit. I totally forgot about it. Yeah, yeah, one of the worst launches we've seen. Ever. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. honestly. Master Chief Collection was, goes without saying, my most anticipated game like ever. All the Halo games in one collection with multiplayer? Forget about it. And, like, you couldn't play it. It was, I mean, it was the definition of broken. It was, uh, in fact, and Dan, I don't know if you know this, um, but one of the funniest things ever in Master Chief Collection is that it was so broken and so messed up that one of the um, things you could get in the game, if you got first place, it wasn't even translated correctly, and it would say Firth. It would say a one <laughs> with a "th" behind it. You got Firth. That's, that's, um, that's fantastic. That's an example of how broken Master Chief Collection was at launch. Yep. Um, so that's, you know, it's funny, Bert. It's probably all, all, also one of the biggest comeback stories, right? Yeah. Because now, today, it's one of the best collections you probably ever made. Yep. Um, especially with Reach coming now as well. Uh, But that's a whole different topic. But yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that one. So anyway, um, so we've seen a lot of uh, devices, add-ons. You were just joking about Labo earlier and how Nintendo always has a ton of them. We saw PSVR. We saw a bunch of controllers like the Elite lead the way for companies like Scuf and others. You know, what What type of thing did you see this generation that you really liked or really use on a daily basis? Um, whether it's first or third party, it doesn't matter. Anything jump out to you? Dan. Either
2: one of you? Hmm. Dan. Yeah. Oh, oh God, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> EV Elite controller, for sure. I mean, that's... Um, I can't play... I, I, I take that back. I can play with other controllers, but it doesn't have the feel... You know that the lead does. You know it's it's got that weight behind it. It's got those paddles in the back, which I thought were going to be completely useless for me, but I use them all the time. Um, it was, it was great when it came out. Um, I wish they, you know, it, the the quality was better. You know, obviously there's some issues there with some of the bumpers and the stuff falling off of them. But I don't know what you're It just about feels then. so solid. L- L- yeah, Luckily, no none idea, of us. You know what?
0: Bert have ever had
1: issues.
2: Yeah. However, if you need to replace some of those things, there are some great videos on Season Gaming <laughs> <the> YouTube site. <laughs> so you should check those out. Um I've actually done it. So um but yeah, I mean as far as peripheral goes, that was it. Um as far as the device, I mean i played so much on that Xbox one and more to the point the Scorpio was I mean it's just a beast. It is a beast. I've never had a whole lot of issues with it. It looks amazing playing some of these games. Um, I think people are missing out, you know, but, you know, it's all about accessibility anymore. And being able to, um, you know, to, get, to reach more gamers is what Microsoft's, you know, trying to do right now. Um, and to that point, you know, the, uh, the adaptive controller that they just released is just an amazing... Uh, peripheral I've never actually used it or touched it or you know I just seen it and what it's doing for people is ridiculous and it's awesome and it's bringing more people into the gaming world and that's what we need so lots of good stuff
1: yeah, so my favorite peripheral of this generation is the Nintendo Switch. It's a great peripheral to the Wii U. Um, I've used, you can take it around anywhere you want. Um, oh, wait. Dang it, that was bad. Sorry. Oh, man. That's <laughs> bad. I'm going to probably get some hate a- comments. Portable Wii U. Who would have thought? Um, Probably getting some unsubscribes and some blocks now. And, uh, now, um, my my favorite peripheral is probably the Elite controller, despite my hate for it at times. Um, it's I, I hate it so much that I've bought it three times. <laughs> um, I, I fixed so many things on them. Um, but to Dan's point, there's not a better controller this generation um, over any console, or even the I, I love the Pro controller for the the Switch quite a bit. Um, I've bought the Nacon for the PlayStation 4, but I think my hands are just too small for it, so I, I haven't used it since I bought it, funny enough. Um, I don't have the Scuf Vantage that Ames has reviewed for us, but I was tempted to buy it, um, just because it looks comfortable, but I still don't think it compares to the Elite, and I think a lot of people have done comparison videos and they still prefer the Elite overall. I think there's a way you can get your Elite to work on the PlayStation 4. I just haven't experimented with that enough yet. I don't mind the DualShock 4 enough, but I think that comes pretty close. The other thing that I like the most is actually a suggestion I got from Dan and it's my uh, Lucid Sound headset. for something I use literally every single time I game whether it be socially or personally that to have that wireless headset that is connecting straight to the Xbox instead of to your controller it's it's a game changer for me because there's been times where I've my controller has died and I can still chat with you guys Um, not having those cords is massive to me I hate cords in any aspect whether it be for work or gaming or um, anything having to do with cords I don't like so it's that's probably my favorite thing my favorite device Probably the Xbox One X or the or the PS4 Pro. Um, I like them both a ton, um, but for third third party stuff, which is where I play most of my stuff, it's the X. So that's where I'm at.
0: Man, you guys took everything. <laughs> I think you guys nailed everything. I was gonna mention uh, the more pro controller, so the Elite. You know, starting the trend with the NACON, the scuff, and others. Um, I love that. I love having a better quality controller. Um, funny enough, I'm one of those weirdos who's been using this Elite I've had for a couple years now um, and worked. I did have an issue with the thumbsticks on my first one. Um... But since then, you know, no problems. But I do have the Nacon. I do have the scuff. The scuff is very good, as I said. um, But the Elite is still, I think, just comfort-wise and ergonomically-wise the best. I'm glad you mentioned the adaptive controller, Dan. That's something that uh, I was going to bring up as well. Bert and I actually got to see it and look at all the kind of peripherals that go with the adaptive controller at E3 last year, including uh, I spoke to one of their engineers. And uh, as you said, what it's done for accessibility and some people to play games that they were never able to play before is absolutely fantastic, and so I think, you know, if we were to give such a thing as like an award out for the best uh, peripheral, I think it would go to that. Um, It's funny you mentioned headsets. It seems like headsets, I mean, they were kind of a big thing last gen, but they've really become a big thing now. There's so many of them. There's better quality ones, and uh, it's really becoming a big thing. I wonder if that's because more pro gaming and people are taking it more seriously now, but that's pretty good. So all good stuff. I I think in that front or on this front, uh, this generation has definitely evolved quite a bit um, from what we saw previously, which is neat. So um, we kind of already touched on this. And so if you have anything unique here, I was just gonna simply ask, what was the best new thing to come with this generation? And what I was gonna mention here, I'll go ahead and go first guys, is uh, Game Pass. I think if I look across the generation, the best new thing or new service, what have you? It, I love Game Pass. The fact that it's just a simple subscription, ten bucks a month, but um, it's not streaming. I love that you know they just say here's some games and you download them and play them just as if you had bought them digitally. There's literally no difference. It functions the same way. And so you know, just last week we were talking about how they're adding six more games and uh, what remains of Edith Finch and Vampire. And, you know first party titles like playing forza horizon 4 on launch um you just download it and it's ready to go and in, in a lot of cases especially if they're microsoft first party they even say go ahead and play them early you know we've seen a few of them where they launch a day or two early like here you go it's up go play it um, i think it's just fantastic and i think it's something that sony uh, will be looking to mimic as closely as they can here in the very near future and nintendo will in 2037 um, but we will see um, the only other thing like you guys already mentioned on the peripheral side, best new thing is I love the mid-cycle consoles the Pro and the Xbox One X the Xbox One X as you guys said is a, is a monster I love playing games on it um, like the Division 2 um, because they just look so good and, and typically run so well so I've loved that as well
1: yeah for me the, the best new thing that's just generation and I'll explain why because that's probably going to be divisive a little bit is Battle Royale so um, I think Battle Royale has gotten pretty competitive to where the it's becoming really hard to launch a Battle Royale game unless your game is good. Um, so I think that's also... Uh, a good thing as well as the battle royale games improve shooting mechanics and other games that are not battle royale because there's so many people playing battle royale that you have to have something that is good so if you're going for something realistic you know there's template for that if you're going for something arcadey there's a template for that if you're going for the auto aiming call of duty blackout game you know there's there's a template for that so i think Single-player games now have to learn uh, how to do stuff better than what is out there. So being that people are more exposed to the free Battle Royale games, there's more people playing those games, which means there's going to be more stuff on the market eventually. So that's that's mine for this generation.
2: I guess... I, mean, I don't know if this is really necessarily this generation, but it's it's been... It's more prevalent now is the digital factor of yep. everything. You know, it's, it's, it's more... Where I don't have to go to the GameStop and buy games uh, and trade them in and deal with that entire thing. I can just sit there on my, at my house, press the button, and I've got you know Division 2 sitting on my console ready to go. So, um, And hey, maybe I want to go switch back to Anthem for a minute. I just press the button. I don't have to get up, and this is actually sounding making me sound super lazy. But that's true. I'm not like you know, it's just it's so convenient. You know, I mean, yeah, you spend maybe a little bit extra money and I, you know get some bigger hard drives. I mean, normal people wouldn't have to do that, but then there's me and my problems. Um, yeah, I mean that's 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 huge for me. Just going towards that digital frontier, I think is 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 awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm I think right now I'm pretty happy where it's at. You know, I don't know if I want to see it go to that, you know, Stadia, you know, xCloud kind of thing. I, you know, the options would be nice and it's fine. Just let's not get crazy. <laughs> I, I I want to be able to download my stuff. I want to be able to play from my console, you know, if I need to, um, because just, just for the performance issues, you know, um, but I think that's great. I think it's a great way to go, um, and keep that option open for physical, at least for now, you know, for, you guys and your old schoolness so. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah i think you touched on something bigger there dan too is that not just the digital downloads and stuff but just the connectivity in this generation you know being able to go yep. on the app and download a game to my console while i'm at work yep. um so it's ready when i get home and being able to share videos with you guys uh or social media instantly and communication across channels you know like uh being able to join a voice party from your pc or your phone while someone else is on their xbox or ps4 what have you all all those things just the connectivity of it all i think was uh, advanced usually this generation i really like as well um and it's funny you mentioned battle royale uh because it really is it's we've seen the same kind of multiplayer across generations for a little while now it's been very similar though you got your team deathmatch and your bigger modes and battle royale really shook things up it, it brought a fresh perspective to competitive multiplayer yep. um and as we've seen it's been it's been huge <laughs> so all right last one guys uh moving on e3 coming in a couple months um you know new consoles likely next year very likely next year ps5 xbox next um what is is there anything of those that you particularly want to see or anything you can think of that they could kind of move the bar forward for you guys? Or are you perfectly content with how things are working right now and you just want a device that will play all your games at like 4K 60?
2: Yeah, I think that's fine, right? I mean, I, to me, I'm, I'm right now, it, it, it's, it's just fine. I mean, my eyes are getting worse and worse. Every single day. So, so are my ears and most of the rest of my body. So, I'm at that sweet spot between age and where the technology is, right? That is perfect. So, at this point, once one is gonna move, or actually, they're both gonna move. My body's gonna keep going back down, and the technology's <laughs> gonna keep going up. So, there's gonna be a point somewhere in there where I am neither not gaming anymore or I can't. So,. I'm I'm fine with where it's at. I would love to see hardware, you know, keep advancing, obviously. Um and new different games coming out and pushing the genre you know, every genre and every, you know you know, it's just I'm okay, man. I'm really, really okay with where everything's at right now. I think um, you know, it's only gonna go it's only gonna get better, obviously, but just yeah, you know <laughs> don't don't kill me. So <laughs>
1: Uh, so, so mine's not specific to just PlayStation Five and Xbox Next. It's um, it's just technology-wise in this next generation. Is I really want crossplay to be just an obvious, automatic thing. I'm tired of having to buy four different copies of one game. And then at the same time, having no progress transfer over. So cross-platform and cross-progression are the two biggest things that I want. So even if I'm having to buy that other copy of, let's say, Division 2, I would love to be able to simply have my character move to the PlayStation 4 or to the xbox or to the pc or other games that are going to be coming out on the switch like i you know when persona 5 comes out i'd love to be able to go buy the copy of persona 5 on on switch for example and then have my progress transferred i don't want to start my damn game over just because i want to play on a different console so that's what i would love to see next generation even though i don't see it happening right away i think it'll eventually happen
0: yeah No, I 100% agree with you. And I think um, obviously some companies are more forward-thinking than others. That's all I'll say on this front. Yep. Um, But, yeah, I think we're we're getting there Uh, slowly, as you said. It's one of those things that's just going to take time. Um, I do think – I was thinking about this this morning, and I think it would be – I'm really excited about xCloud and the potential. And the reason I say xCloud Cloud not Stadi is because I am that guy who wants the 4K60 or whatever it is box – Uh, the most powerful kind of hardware sitting there under my TV and I want to play locally and play multiplayer as I do today but I was thinking about like traveling tomorrow right and I I take my console with me but if I could just take my elite controller with me and play any of the games I own on Xbox um, on my PC or on my laptop and still party up with you guys and still play multiplayer and just sit there in front of my laptop with my Xbox controller playing as if it was um, my Xbox. That's the goal of XCloud, and I think that is very, very neat. Um, I think it. You know, right now it's like I think part of the reason we've talked about the Switch has been a success, and the reason people are rebuying games so often on the Switch is that you can take it with you. Um, and so, if you can just do that with any device you own, whether it's your phone or your PC or what have you, uh, with the games you already own, I think that's a very, very powerful concept, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to to seeing how that works out. So. But in terms of the boxes themselves, I really hope that the focus is, uh, you know, just being able to play everything uh, in 4K 60. And I think that's very doable, uh, really get rid of load times. We've heard some things about the hard drives and whatnot and the disc speed. So just give me, you know, I still want a 4K Blu-ray player, but give me uh, near zero load times and 4K 60 and I'll be happy as a uh, pig and shit. We'll we'll leave it there.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs> they do
0: get happy, happy. All right, fellas. They do get happy. <laughs> you see the way they roll around? It's crazy. Um What do you guys think? Anything else you want to mention before we close out our big five O? No, sir.
2: I'm just yeah, I'm just happy to be here. i just (laughs) as we always say while we're playing
0: just eating chips over here just eating chips um all right guys well you know want to just again thank everyone who listens thank you to all our new listeners who have joined us more recently um i hope you enjoyed the show thank you um please subscribe let us know what we're doing well let us know if we could be doing something better um i i did want to mention that um We've set up a direct uh, contact account at BitCast at SeasonGaming.com. So, you know, for you audio listeners who I'm sure many of you like to remain more anonymous and don't get on social media or kind of communicate with us that way. If, uh, you know, we may start to do things like read some uh, reader questions or answer questions because we're not a live show. We have to do that ahead of time. Um, feel free to just shoot us an email, let us know what you think let us know if you have any questions or any topics you want us to talk about, we're happy to do that so again, that's just bitcast at seasongaming.com uh, we did put up uh, the latest episode of Backseat Gaming last week, which uh, I played Realm Royale, which is the Battle Royale mode from High Res Studios um, it was quite hilarious bunch of chickens running around It's uh, if you've never seen it or never played it um, give it a look, because we had a good time recording it and laughed quite a bit and then Bert, I think um, I think you have a couple videos coming this week or soon as well. Yeah, they will be published on Wednesday.
1: Um, one of them is already uploaded, ready to go. However, I did want to launch them both at the same time. If you're curious what they are, doing a review on the Bionic Hyperkit battery that is out for the Xbox One, and then a battery comparison, which is all the battery options that you can pretty much get, the different kinds of batteries, how they connect to the Xbox One, and just a comparison for me and my review and thoughts of each one of them. Those are both gonna be out on Wednesday. Eight o'clock Central Time in the morning.
0: Sweet, already scheduled. And then, uh, lastly, I am um, <clears throat> going to be doing the review of Division Two. Like I said, I don't know exactly when that's coming. I won't review it until I feel like I have a good, um, a good feel for the end game, which is obviously very extensive in this game. So I'm still putting the time in daily, and uh, that'll be coming in the near future as well. Um, I think that's it, guys. I think we're going to go ahead and close this out. And uh last thank you to everyone appreciate it big 50 episode and we will see you next week as always